Good morning, Redeemer. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you this morning. You can uh, open up in your Bibles to Hebrews 11. We are walking through uh, a series called By Faith through the chapter of Hebrews 11, one of the best chapters, I think, in the, in the scriptures. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a chapter all about um, this, this lineage of faith, right? These, these, uh, these men and women are mothers and fathers in the faith who've gone before us, uh, walked before us, uh, and, and we are kind of looking back. It's ending up being basically uh, an Old Testament survey in, a, in some ways, uh, just looking through the Old Testament at these, these people that Hebrew says they were faithful. Uh, they trusted God, and here's what God did through them and for them. Last week, we saw uh, Abraham's faith as he took his son Isaac up on the mountain, right, where God provided the sacrifice. This week, we move to Abraham's son, Isaac, uh, and his grandson, Jacob. And so Isaac and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these are the, the patriarchs, right? The three uh, kind of fathers of uh, the nation of Israel. Jacob, as we will see, has 12 sons who become then the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Um, and this morning, we, we open up with, with, uh, with the deathbed scene, right? Uh, of, of verse 21, um, that Jacob blesses the sons of Joseph uh, and worships leaning on the top of his staff, and I want to look back and, and, and see where, where is this in the scriptures. It's, it's recorded in Genesis chapter 48. Um, if you want to turn back there, we, we're going to look at that. Genesis 48. Um, Jacob is an old man at this point. They're in Egypt by now. Uh, and he's, he's, uh, he's in his 140s. Uh, he, we know that he died when he was 147. And so here, here's just that, the record of, of that blessing and that deathbed blessing. Sometime after this, Joseph was told, your father is weaker so he set out with his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I will make you fruitful and numerous. I will make many nations come from you and I will give this land as a permanent possession to your future descendants. When Israel saw, down in verse eight, when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who's are, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, these are my sons God has given me here. So Israel said, bring them to me and I will bless them. Verse 13, then Joseph took them both with his right hand, Ephraim toward, toward Israel's left, with his left hand, Manasseh toward Israel's right and brought them to Israel. But Israel stretched out his right hand and put it on the head of Ephraim and the younger, the younger, and crossing his hands, put the left on Manasseh's head, although Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my, father, my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys and may they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and may they grow to be numerous within the land. When Joseph saw that his father had placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, he thought it was a mistake, took his father's hand and moved it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's. Joseph said to his father, not that way, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a tribe and he too will be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he and his offspring will become a populous nation. So he blessed them that day, putting Ephraim before Manasseh when he said, the nation Israel will invoke blessings by you saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. 
Israel said to Joseph, look, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you back to the land of your fathers. To understand the the meaning of, of this scene, of this deathbed blessing, how it showcases Jacob's faith, I think we, we need to look back at Jacob's story. Um, th- this sermon is a little different from uh, sermons I normally preach. Maybe it's kind of a weird one. Uh, it's sort of a strange one. It's less, less of a, like, these are the three points and kind of an argument that builds and more of just following this story, following Jacob's story as it unfolds. Um, so, so go with me here and we'll see how it goes together. Um, in the ancient world, uh, the, the firstborn son would have, would have the birthright. Right? We would get the main portion of the inheritance. Um, and, and this was as much a practical thing as, as any kind of a theological thing. Right? Is if you had several generations and you split up your land, split up your land over and over, uh, right? you, you, no one would have any land anymore in the family. And so this keeps the land uh, together in the family. Uh, and, and so the, the, the firstborn son would have the main portion of the inheritance, but, but when a man knew he was near death, generally he would call all of his sons uh, and would give them a blessing suitable to them. And we see Jacob do this very thing in Genesis 49. Uh, the blessing of the father is very important in the scriptures. Uh, and it's even seen, as we'll see, as, as a prophecy of, of what, are, what are these, the, the, what's the destiny of these children gonna be? Uh, Hebrews singles out this, this blessing to Joseph's sons, to Jacob's grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh, as Jacob's act of faith. Why is that? Why, why does, does Hebrews focus in on this, uh, this scenario, this story, the very end of Jacob's life? And let's pray once more, and then we'll, we'll uh, try to answer that question. Father, thank you so much uh, again for, for bringing us here. Thank you for your word. Um, we pray that you would speak this morning. Um, Holy Spirit, we invite you to, uh, to come as if you're not already here, as if we could keep you away. Uh, but we, we want to hear from you, Lord. No one wants to hear my words, my ideas. Um, Lord, we all want to hear uh, from you. And so would you please speak to our hearts in exactly the ways that we need? Um, would you speak to us through your word? And would, we be, would our ears and our eyes be open uh, to see and to hear and to listen and to obey? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if we rewind the clock uh, about a century and a half to when Jacob was born, um, we see Isaac, right? So Abraham's son, Isaac, grows up. Uh, he gets married. He and Rebecca, his wife, long for a child. Right? They want a child. Uh, they pray for one. And after 20 years, uh, they finally get pregnant. Rebecca gets pregnant. Uh, Rebecca has had a, it's a, it's a difficult pregnancy, right? She has a lot of pain in pregnancy. Uh, this is obviously before uh, sonograms. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't know as much. And, but God reveals this to her, uh, that she actually has twins in her womb. She, she's pregnant with twins. This is Genesis 25, 23. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will come from you and be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. That, that's the surprise. I guess you're having twins. That's surprising. But, but I think you're, the older will serve the younger is the most surprising part of this, uh, this prophecy, um, this revelation, because this is a reversal of the birth order, right? The, the one, how it customarily would be is the, uh, the, the younger would serve the older, right? The older would have the, the, the birthright, the inheritance, 
Um, and this word, the older will serve the younger, it defines much of these twins' life. The first a child comes out hairy and, and red, and they name him Esau. The second child comes out grasping the first heel, grasping Esau's heel, and so they name him Jacob, or heel grabber. It can mean heel grabber or deceiver. Uh, when the boys grew up, Genesis 25 continues, when the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman, but Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. If you have kids, you know they're all different, right? These, and these boys are very different. Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So we start to see there is so much dysfunction in this family, right? <laughs> There's so much dysfunction. Isaac prefers his firstborn, uh, Esau, while his wife prefers Jacob. Do you think that, that helped the brothers to get along? Uh, to, do you, do you, or do you think that exacerbated the unavoidable competition for affection and attention between twin sons? Imagine the latter. Uh, one day Esau comes in from the field, we're told. He's exhausted, right? He's been hunting and, and he wants some, some stew that Jacob has cooked. He asks for it and the heel grabber grabs his opportunity. He says, sure, I'll, I'll give you some soup if you give me your birthright. And Esau's like, I want to die if I don't get some soup. What is a birthright for me? Yes, take it. Right? And so he, Esau's impulsive, he's foolish. He trades his birthright um, for a bowl of lentils and some bread. And it's not the last time that someone's stomach gets the better of them in this family. The Lord is kind to Isaac and his family, right? He has blessed Isaac and, and Rebecca with children. He has led and protected him just as he did for Abraham. He has re reaffirmed the promise of Abraham to Isaac, right? He said, I will bless you. I will give you offspring as many as the stars of the sky, as many as the sand on the seashore. Right? Yeah, I'm gonna bless the nations through you and through your line. And I will give you this land to possess. Isaac gets older and older. Now he knows that he's nearing death. He's getting weaker. He says he can't see hardly anymore. And he has this promise from God that he plans to pass down to his sons. He wants to bless his son. But from the word of the Lord, before the boys were born, he knows that the older will serve the younger, right? So we know that he knows that. He knows that it should be opposite of what it typically is. But we also know that he prefers Esau, Right? He, he actually doesn't love Jacob like he loves Esau. So he decides to take matters into his own hands. Rather than summoning both of his boys, say, I want to bless you before I die, he calls only Esau. He says, go into the field, give me some game, fix me, fix me my, you know how I like it, fix me my favorite meal. Bring it to me and I'm going to bless you before I die. Esau goes out to hunt, Right? But his, his, his mother, Rebecca, was listening. She was listening. Um, Rebecca, again, the, the dysfunction in this family is just astounding, right? Astounding, but also like exactly right to human nature, isn't it? Uh, this is, this is hum, humanity. Uh, this is us. Um, Rebecca takes charge, right? Jacob, you've got to get the blessing. I heard what your father said to Esau, but you're going to get it. You can take it. We'll dress you up like your brother. I'll, I'll fix a meal that he likes. You can take it in. Uh, we can trick him, and you can take your brother's blessing. Jacob is skeptical. 
He says, Esau's a hairy man, uh, but I'm a man with smooth skin. Right, that's a Bible verse. Um, fa- father, he says, father will feel me and, and know I'm not Esau and, and will curse me instead. Right? And, and Rebecca's like, let the curse fall on me. You go get, she's, she's in charge, right? You go get me a goat. And so he does. They're on time crunch. They have to do all this before Esau gets back. Um, Rebecca whips up Esau recipe goat dish, right? Um, it puts goat skin on Jacob's hands and on his neck so he feels hairy. Uh, and then he put, she puts Esau's clothes on Jacob so that he smells like him. And the, the ruse is on, right? Um, Jacob enters Isaac's tent. Um, so let's pick it up in Genesis 27, 18. If you think the Bible's boring, I just don't think you've read it. <laughs> like, seriously, this is in the Bible? It is. Look, Genesis 27, 18. When he came in to his father, he said, my father. And he answered, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob replied to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how did you ever find it so quickly, my son? He replied, because the Lord your God made it happen for me. He's quick on his feet. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come closer so I can touch you, my son. Are you really my son Esau or not? So Jacob came closer to his father, Isaac. When he touched him, he said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Again, he asked, are you really my son Esau? And he replied, I am. Then he said, bring it closer to me and let me eat some of my son's game so that I can bless you. Jacob brought it closer to him and he ate. He brought the wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come closer and kiss me, my son. So he came closer and kissed him. When Isaac smelled his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you from the dew of the sky and from the richness of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow and worship to you. Be master over your relatives that your mother's sons bow and worship to you. Those who curse you will be cursed and those who bless you will be blessed. Rebecca's scheme has worked. The blessing was given and it was given completely to Jacob. Verse 30, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had left the presence of his father Isaac, his brother Esau arrived from his hunting. He had also made some delicious food and brought it to his father. He said to his father, let my father get up and eat some of his son's game so that you may bless me. But his father said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm Esau, your firstborn son. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. Who was it then, he said, who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came in and I blessed him. Indeed, he will be blessed. Many commentators see the last sentence, indeed, he will be blessed. Uh, as, as Isaac accepting that what happened was orchestrated by God. Isaac perhaps realizes that despite his best efforts, what has happened is in line with what God had promised before the children were born. The older will serve the younger. And so he's acknowledging 
It's, it's the Lord's will that Jacob indeed would be blessed over Esau. When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, my father. But he replied, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. So he said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he's cheated me twice now. He took my birthright and look, now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you saved a blessing for me? But Isaac answered Esau, look, I've made him a master over you and I've given him all of his relatives as servants and have sustained him with grain and new wine. What then can I do for you, my son? Jacob, the heel grabber, the deceiver, has grabbed again, this time taking the blessing from his father and then the blessing of his brother. And and I want to pause here to ask this question. Do you think that your dysfunction will stop God's grace? Right? No one in this story is innocent <laughs> in their motives, in their actions, right? And none of these people deserves the favor of God. None of these people are heroes, right? They're all complicit. You think the Bible's full of just like heroes, faithful people you can just emulate? Like, no, I would not recommend you emulate Jacob. And so you might rightly ask, how can God use this family? They are messed up. And and you might ask the same for yourself. How can God use me? How can God use my messed up life, my messed up family, my messed up church? And that's a good question. We don't deserve it. If God's blessing is based on our faithfulness, right, if that's what we got to trust to receive God's blessing, uh, then we are in deep, deep trouble, are we not? Amen. But what hope do we have then? Well, we hope in the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. We see in the story, God made a promise to Abraham and he will keep his word despite, and even using all of the sin, all of the dysfunction, all of the foolishness, all the deception in Abraham's family. And listen, if he can use Jacob, then maybe he can use us. Maybe he can use us. Esau is furious Right? And it says he plans to kill Jacob after their father. I'm going to let my father die. I don't want to cause some more pain. But after that, I'm killing my brother. Rebecca, again, intervening on, on Jacob's behalf. He hears what Esau's going to do and encourages you know, Jacob to get out, of, get out of Dodge. And she convinces Isaac to send Jacob away to her relatives. Um, and, and so Isaac blesses Jacob again uh, and, and sends him away to find a, go find a wife from your mother's relatives. Jacob sets off, and on that night, he has, he has a dream. He lays down on a rock, and he has a dream. This is part of it. The Lord was standing there beside him, saying, I'm the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out towards the west, the east, the north, and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I'm with you, and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. 
That God reaffirms the promise of Abraham, the promise of Isaac to Jacob. And he says, I will be faithful to my promise. We have to skip ahead uh, because, of, because of time. Uh, but, but Jacob uh, ends up going and, and marrying uh, Rachel and Leah, which is a whole you know, other story about uh, his uncle Laban being kind of an even bigger trickster than Jacob is. Uh, and, and, uh, and he has, has, starts to have children, right? And he eventually has 12, uh, the 12 boys who will become the 12 tribes uh, of Israel. But the time comes uh, for Jacob to go back to Canaan, to go back to the land of promise. Uh, and he's, he's still terrified of his brother Esau. It's been 20 years, right? But, but he's still afraid that Esau will, will still be angry, will be holding a grudge and will kill, try to kill him and his family. Um, and and he, gets, he gets close, right? He gets, he's approaching and he sends out messengers and the messengers come back and they're just like, yeah, we told Esau that you're coming and he got 400 of, of his men and he's on his way. <laughs> and that's the only message. And it's not like, well, like, did his face look like happy or angry? Like, give me a, what was his tone? You know, like, there's nothing, it's just like, he's coming with 400 men. So Jacob is terrified. Um, he's taking all these precautions. Uh, he splits his family into two groups. So, if, you know, maybe one gets attacked, the other can escape. Uh, he, he's, he starts sending herds of goats and bulls and other animals in waves as gifts to his brother to kind of appease him. Um, and, and he, he, he sends everyone by night across the fort of Jabbok, it says, and he finds himself alone. And then Jacob has this mysterious encounter that will define the rest of his life. Um, Genesis 32, 24, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. It's dark. He's alone in the middle of the night. You know, there's not streetlights at this point before electricity. Um, and I just picture a man comes out over the ford or comes out of the woods and tackles him, right? And they just, they start wrestling. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip, which ends most wrestling matches. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip. What a crazy story, right? What is, I love the Bible. Like, what does this mean? This is incredible. There's so much mystery here. I'm not sure anyone has plumbed the depths of it. Um, but, but for Jacob, this was a, a life-defining event. This was a life-defining event. In a, in a moment of absolute fear and uncertainty, God met him, right? Uh, at some point in the wrestling match, Jacob realizes this assailant is not just a man, right? And, and, and we find throughout, right, it, it, he renames Jacob. That's something that only God does, right? God renamed Abram to be Abraham. We see it, that he does this. And so uh, Jacob realizes this is, this is a divine, uh, this is God. This is not just a man. 
Um, God meets him in this moment of, he's, he's so scared of his brother. He's, he's yeah, you know, he, he's terrified. He's prayed, he's planned, he's done everything. Um, but God meets him here and, and takes away all his self-sufficiency. Or Jacob couldn't win the wrestling match with a dislocated hip. Um, but he, when he realizes this is not just a man, he holds on, right? He holds on tight and he asks for a blessing. He wrestles with God and comes away with a limp, with a blessing and with a new identity. Heel grabber becomes God wrestler. And I wonder, have you wrestled with God? In a time of fear, in a time of uncertainty, in a time of, of some unfulfilled longing in your life, when, when, when often when we're distressed, you know, all we think we need is, a, is a, a comforting word from the Lord. We just need to hear uh, and be comforted by him. But sometimes in those moments, it feels like God is your opponent. Have you struggled in prayer have you not understood God's plan? Have you experienced maybe pain that, that just takes away any self-sufficiency that you thought you had? And I think the question is, in the midst of that, will you hold on to God until he blesses you? That, that's faith, isn't it? Right when you don't understand, you don't know what's happening, you don't know how it's gonna go, right? You're in pain, but you hold on to God and you say, I will not let you go until you bless me. I trust you. God loves and rewards that type of faith, right? As Hebrews eleven six 6 says, the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Jacob meets Esau the next day. Um, he, he, he comes out of that night and, and into the encounter with Esau. He comes out of that night and I, I imagine that's not what he had planned to do the night before he met his brother, wrestle all night with God. Uh, it wasn't what he thought he needed, but it is what he needed and prepared him and he meets Esau. And Esau isn't mad anymore, right? It's, uh, God has answered uh, Jacob's prayers and they, they embrace, it's a beautiful scene. They're, they're reconciled uh, as brothers, and the family uh, goes through much more, right? Much of which we will see in, in next week's story, uh, the, the story of Joseph uh, and, and his brothers, Jacob's sons. Uh, but they end up at the end of Jacob's life, right? In Egypt, they've been saved from a famine through Joseph, moved to Egypt, uh, and, and they're living there in, in prosperity. And, and we're back at the moment where we started the message, right? On, on Jacob's deathbed. The deceiver, the heel grabber, is now Israel, the one who wrestles with God. He has seen God's protection and seen God's provision. He's seen God keep his promises. And in faith, he says, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, May he bless these boys and may they be called by the name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow numerous in the land. And the one who, who deceived his father 
to take the blessing, right? The younger son who deceived his father to take the blessing, he crosses his hands. Isn't that interesting? He crosses his hands, placing his right hand, the favored hand on the younger son, his left hand on the older. And Joseph tries to switch them, right? And we always think we know how things should go, right? No, 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 father, that's wrong. It's the wrong side. Uh, But Jacob has learned that God does not work in the way that we often expect. And in a simple act of faith, he blesses these boys, the older over the younger. He blesses all of his sons and he worships. And as a side note, how are you blessing your children and your grandchildren? How are you speaking life and blessing and peace in the Holy Spirit over over your, your, your descendants, right? Your children, your grandchildren. Um, I, I am so blessed to have, oh, <laughs> sorry, hit me. Um, I'm so blessed to have uh, just grandparents and parents who love me and who pray for me. And I don't, what would my life be if they didn't? I don't know. Um, your life, uh, your, your words, your, um, your blessing means more to, to your children than you know. And so pray for them, teach them. If you haven't done it, a good job of it, you're not dead yet, so start, right? Uh, it matters. Maybe, maybe your great act of faith that you'll be remembered for is the one on your deathbed, like Isaac and like Jacob. And so I speak, speak blessing over your children. Um, Jacob worshiped, it says, in Egypt, uh, the, the one who promised to bring him back to Canaan. He worshiped in the presence of his 12 sons, the one who promised to make his ascendants as numerous as the stars. Right? He died in faith, as Hebrews said, not having received the things that were promised. He didn't receive them, but he saw them from afar and he greeted them and he acknowledged that he was a stranger and a foreigner on the earth. The promise of Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through his offspring, Paul tells us in the New Testament, was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus was the descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's son Judah, right? Jesus was from the line of the tribe of Judah. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we could receive adoption as sons. Rather than grabbing for the blessing from his father, like Jacob did, Jesus willingly took the curse in our place, the curse of sin on the cross, so that we who don't deserve it could have his blessing. And we know that the promise is true, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That if you trust in Jesus, if you trust in his life for you, his death on the cross in your place, his resurrection and his new life, you'll be saved. Do you believe that promise? And if you aren't a Christian yet, um, th- this may all seem really strange to you. I imagine it does, right? How could it not? Right? We're reading ancient stories from an ancient book and trying to live our lives by them. They're weird stories anyway, right, as we've seen. But, but can I ask you a question? What, what if your story could fit into a bigger story? What if your story isn't just one that started when you were born and then when you, when you take your last breath will just fizzle out and, and fade into oblivion? 
but instead is, is a part of, of the story that God is weaving through time and through history and through space. This is, what Hebrew, this is what Hebrews is saying. It's one of the things Hebrews 11 is saying is we are connected. We're connected right, by, our, by our faith. This, the, their story, their story of trusting God can be our story of trusting the same God because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, so what is keeping you, if you aren't yet a Christian, what's keeping you from trusting in Jesus? Why won't you? It could be a lot of things. Um, maybe it's because of things you've done. Maybe you'd say, Lawson, you, you, know, you don't know me. I've lied, I've cheated, I've grasped for what wasn't mine. I, I've been manipulative. I've mistreated my family. I've alienated others by my selfishness. And I would just say, did you, did you hear about Jacob today? Like, that's what he was like, right? Like, like man, join the family. You'll fit right in. Like, this is us. Like, we, uh, we, we, this is what we, we are like. Um, here's the crazy thing, right? Here's the crazy thing. This does not make sense, right? So if you say to me, Dawson, that does not make sense. I, I preempted you. Um, this does not make sense. God justifies the ungodly. Right? He justifies the ungodly. So if you would say, man, I'm ungodly, that, that qualifies you. That doesn't disqualify you, it qualifies you, right? Who is it in the Gospels that, that, that fight with Jesus, that Jesus is always, it's the religious people, the ones who say, like, I'm a pretty good person, right? I'm, like, better than most people, right? If you say that, you're not the one that God justifies. He justifies who? The ungodly, those who say, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And that's all you have to do. If you do that, you have faith, right? If you go, I can't do it on my own. I have nothing. I need God. Please have mercy on me. That's how you get him. That's how you get it all. Our God justifies you. This is what grace means. It means undeserved favor. This is the good news. This is why we sing. Um, brother and sister in Christ, do you believe this promise? Do you believe this promise? It was Martin Luther who said, we must beat the gospel into our heads continually. <laughs> I think that's true. Right? We are so quick to forget. We're so quick um, to, to, to just lose our minds and start thinking that it's about, it's about us. Right? Do you think that God uses you or is gracious to you because you are so good and faithful? Do you think somehow you deserve the grace of God more than some other person. Do you think God drafted you to the team because of what you bring to the table, obviously? My resume, my skills, right? Is that what you think? Have you slipped into that? And if so, no wonder your worship is cold. No wonder your prayers are stale. No wonder there's no song in your heart. No wonder that thankfulness isn't alive in you. And what can you do? Look again at the cross. 
Look again at the cross, because at the cross, we see Jesus taking the full blunt of the wrath of God that we deserve. It is impossible to look at the cross and for me to maintain a sense of my goodness and godliness. No, I was so bad, the, the Holy Son of God had to come and give himself for me. That was the only way. And at the cross, at the same time, I see my ungodliness, but at the cross, at the same time, I see Jesus willingly giving himself in my place. Right? You see Jesus willingly giving himself to die in your place, loving you, redeeming your life, setting you free. It's all, it's all of grace. Right? It's all of grace. We don't deserve any of it. And we get it all through Christ. And it's amazing. Let's pray. Uh, and then we will go to communion. Father, thank you so much um, for, again, for your word. Um, Lord, thank you for, for these, uh, these stories of, of Isaac and Jacob. And thank you for not sugarcoating them and, and not giving us some unreal picture of, uh, of people who were always good and faithful, but for showing us their real lives. And because we are like that, Lord, we want we want to be wholly yours, but we struggle. We know what's right and we, we fail to do it. We have so much weakness, so much sin, so, much, so, so many sorrows in our life we can't control. And yet, Lord, we see that you are faithful. We know that you are faithful. We know that you will be faithful to your promise. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're merciful. Thank you that you have loved us in Christ, that you have proven your love for us by sending Jesus to suffer and die and rise for us. Lord, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you fill us with faith? Would you strengthen our hearts so that we can walk with you? We can trust you in whatever we're going through whatever comes. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray.